Welcome to the new Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony and he provides commentary on the WMHT live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live. On WMHT-FM, your classical companion. The Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert Broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. This was a particularly exciting and fun concert to put together because it was a concert that we decided would feature rising stars, and then the the challenge was going around the country and identifying some exciting rising stars. I knew I wanted a young violinist from California about whom I'd been hearing great things, a young fellow named William Hagen, who's just celebrated his 16th birthday. And I also thought it would be nice to have a piano soloist, uh, so I contacted a great piano teacher in New York, Veda Kaplinsky, who teaches at the Juilliard School, and she helped us identify a great young pianist. But then I wanted some artists who were a little bit more unconventional and unusual. And so not only did we find a wonderful concerto for string quartet and feature a brilliant young string quartet from Bard College's Conservatory of Music, but I also uh, had in the back of my mind a piece that I've always loved and had never done in Albany. Uh, It's by Morton Gould, who happens to be one of my favorite American composers and a composer whose work the Albany Symphony has championed a great deal in the last few years. We've actually made three or four recordings of Gould's music, but this is one of his more known pieces, so we hadn't ever had the opportunity to record it. It's a concerto for tap dancer and orchestra. So we put together quite a fascinating panoply of different kinds of artists, and to open the program, I thought since all the other works on the program are in essence concerto form, in other words, the orchestra acting as backup band for a soloist, I thought it would be nice to kick things off with a beautiful all-orchestral piece. And since the emphasis of the program was on youth, I thought there was no better opener than Johannes Brahms's Academic Festival Overture. You may remember that uh, once he was already a rather established grand man of German music, Brahms was first offered a, an honorary doctorate at, uh, I believe, at Cambridge, and he really hated to travel and decided not to accept it. It was a, a doctorate of music from Cambridge. Uh, so he, he, he passed on the honorary doctorate, even though he'd never gone to college and was very honored to be asked. But then a German university offered him a, a doctorate of philosophy, the University of Breslau, offered him a a doctorate, and he couldn't say no. So he accepted it. However, they made a condition that he had to contribute a learned piece to the proceedings so that when he was given his doctorate, uh, they could perform a work specifically written by Brahms for that occasion. So he complied, but in his rather whimsical, sneaky way, decided rather than writing a learned, deeply academic piece, he would in fact do quite the opposite. So he picked a bunch of his absolute favorite German student drinking songs, and he turned them into a fabulous, very witty, and also quite brilliant overture. So here it is, uh, an overture based melodically, almost entirely on famous German college drinking songs, Brahms' Academic Festival Overture. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes Podcast. Only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was the first work on the Albany Symphony's Rising Stars program, Brahms' Academic Festival Overture. The second work is quite a departure. I, I knew that in Albany Symphony tradition, we very much wanted to 
uh, also include on the program a living composer. And what better idea than to feature an up-and-coming rising star young composer? I tend to get a great number of CDs and, and scores of new works by young composers coming across my desk on an almost daily basis. And uh, an orchestra that I used to conduct, the New York Youth Symphony that plays at Carnegie Hall, uh, has a commissioning series that I actually started about 20-some years ago called First Music, whereby on every single Carnegie Hall concert they play, they do three a year, they commission a new work from a young American composer. So they had sent me a, a, a CD, a sort of amalgam of, of the 2006 winners, uh, the compositions, and I listened through them, and I happened to be drawn to a beautiful very brief but very skillfully done concerto for string quartet and orchestra by a young Japanese-American composer named Takuma Ito. Uh, Takuma was born in Japan but raised in California. He's been a graduate student at the University of Michigan, and he's currently completing a doctorate at Cornell University right here in New York State. He's a lovely young gentleman. And uh, as you can imagine, writing a concerto for string quartet and orchestra is no easy task. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more of them. There are only a very few known works in the idiom. Uh, I think Louis Spohr wrote a, a concerto for string quartet and orchestra, and Boislav Martin, who's a great 20th century Czech composer. But there are very few works for that uh, group, I think because it's so difficult to differentiate the sound of a string quartet ensemble from the orchestra. As you can imagine, since a string quartet is surrounded by a whole large string section. It's very easy to have the large string section subsume the string quartet. And there's also this issue of how do you make the string quartet its own unit if, in fact, individual players are playing things within the string quartet and make the string quartet a solo unit that somehow is differentiated clearly from the orchestra. And so what I was very struck by was how brilliantly Takuma had solved this problem. He really has his string quartet play unified string quartet music. They don't tend to go off on individual statements. I mean, in essence, there's a great deal of call and response or question and answer where each violinist and then the violist and the cellist will answer each other with the same material, but you have the sense of this very strong string quartet structure at the front of the orchestra, and and the orchestra acts as kind of comment on the music of the string quartet. Once I had decided I wanted to feature this string quartet, I began to think about where I might find a brilliant young string quartet. And I happen to know that Bard College has a very young, uh, I think it's only four years old or so, conservatory of music. They've always had a wonderful music program, but they've developed a brilliant conservatory within the college. And Robert Martin, the director of the conservatory and the dean of the college, uh, is a, a friend of mine and a, a brilliant man. And I called Bob Martin and said, do you have a string quartet who might be willing to play this piece. As I mentioned, the piece had been premiered by the New York Youth Symphony, I think, in 2006, uh, and it had been played at that time by the Shanghai Quartet, one of the great quartets of the world. It turns out that two members of the Shanghai Quartet teach at Bard College, and they were happy to help this young string quartet prepare the work. So this is a string quartet made up of four students, undergraduates, at Bard College's conservatory, lovely young ladies, all from China, three from Shanghai, one from Beijing. They are first violin, Luo Shangfang, Second violin, Yang Li, viola, Shuang Shuang Liu, and cello, Jian Shao, a quartet called the Qimeng Quartet of Bard College. So they will now be performing only the second performance ever of Takuma Ito's Concerto for String Quartet and Orchestra. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes Podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was Takuma Ito's Concerto for String Quartet and Orchestra, played by the Chimeng Quartet of Bard College, accompanied by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. 
To close the first half, I invited this brilliant young violinist, William Hagen of Salt Lake City, a 16-year-old violinist, to join us to play the Bruch Violin Concerto Number no. 1, one of the most beautiful of all 19th century violin concertos. The Bruch was written just shortly before the Brahms Concerto, and you'll hear that these works have a great deal in common just in terms of the sound and the sonority, and also the structure to a certain extent of the two works. Bruch was a very celebrated composer in Germany, most specifically for this work, but also for a number of other pieces, uh, including another violin and orchestra work called the Scottish Fantasy. And uh, this is a work in three movements. The first movement, Prelude Allegro Moderato. Second move is a beautiful, heart-wrenchingly evocative adagio. And the last movement, a finale, Allegro Energico. Sounds like a, almost like a Hungarian gypsy dance. William Hagen, the soloist, is a young man uh, who goes to high school in Salt Lake City, public school. He commutes every week to Los Angeles by plane to study with the brilliant and legendary violin teacher Robert Lipset, who's an old friend of mine. I knew him when I used to live in Los Angeles, and he has the most astounding students, perfect pitch, great deportment, beautiful musicianship, Uh, and Will is his latest great find. So Will heads down to Los Angeles from his home in Salt Lake every Tuesday, spends the day studying with Mr. Lipset at the Colburn School of Music in Los Angeles, and then heads back to resume his life as a typical, very extraordinary baseball-playing high school student. He's a member of the varsity team and fortunately hasn't been asked to pitch. We were all a little worried about his arm. We want to be sure to protect that. He happens to be playing a beautiful Amati instrument, uh, which was lent to him by a, an owner in Los Angeles. And here he is now, Will Hagen, 16-year-old violin soloist playing the Bruch Violin Concerto Number no. 1. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes Podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The work that opened our second half uh, is the great rarity on the program, and what an incredible find this piece is. This is the Tap Dance Concerto by Morton Gould, the incredible American composer who was so active in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, Morton had a long, brilliant career and uh, was one of the most uh, adept of all crossover artists, inheriting the mantle from from George Gershwin, along with his colleague Leonard Bernstein. He could do everything in the world of pop as well as in the world of, of concert music and really brought a lot of pop idiom into the concert hall. This is a work that Morton wrote in 1952. Uh, Morton had just had a very successful Broadway show that he'd written called Billion Dollar Baby. And the secondary lead, the second lead in the show, was a tap dancer named Danny Daniels, who I'm proud to report was a native of Albany, New York. He had started tap dancing at the age of five here in Albany and had then, at the age of 16, gone down to the city to become a hoofer and had had quite a fabulous career. Uh, In fact, subsequently had an even more fabulous career as dancer, choreographer, teacher. And Danny was still a very young man, and the run had been completed. And according to the official story, Danny came into Morton's office and said, would you be willing to let me choreograph one of your pieces? And Morton said, I have an idea. Why don't I write you a tap dance concerto? Well, I was really intrigued when we did the performances because I'm now in close contact with two of Morton Gould's students, Abby Burton, his daughter, and Eric Gould, his son. And in mentioning this story to Abby, uh, she said, no, no, that's not actually how it happened at all. She said, Daddy, Morton Gould, had uh, finished uh, the run of Billion Dollar Baby. And Danny Daniels, the secondary lead, was a 
good young friend of his. They really hit it off well and loved each other, like almost like father and son or brothers. And uh, Danny had come to him very depressed, uh, really just feeling at the end of the run that his career was at a standstill and that it was time for him to get out of the business and do something else. And Morton, uh, who really was very fond of Danny Daniels, said, look, I'm going to write you a piece, and it's going to make you famous. And right there, sort of at, at that moment, Morton conceived this idea of writing a tap dance concerto, something that had never been done or thought of, a concerto specifically for tapper in, in the place of a soloist, a violin or a cello or a piano or a trumpet, and actually ended up notating in the score as if it were a snare drum part, all the taps that Danny was to tap. And in fact, Danny then choreographed the piece to Morton's music and Morton's taps, changing it slightly. But even in the score that I'm working from in performing the piece, you see the tap line, and that's how it's done. Well, the story of the piece is that then it was such a sensation when it was premiered in 1952 that Danny Daniels and Morton essentially took it all over the world. They played the piece and performed the piece with all the major American orchestras. They took it to England and to Europe, and it really made Danny Daniels' career. And subsequent to that, he became a very successful choreographer in uh, Los Angeles, choreographed a great number of movies, including a very famous movie called The Tap Dance Kid. He still lives and works in Los Angeles. He's 84 years old. Unfortunately, he's uh, in a wheelchair as a result of a stroke, but I, I did pick up the phone and call him the week before the performance and had a lovely talk with him, and he told me all about growing up in Albany and mentioned his teacher here in Albany, uh, Tommy Sternfeld, who I guess had a dance studio, a dance school right here in Albany. And and Danny had very fond memories of of Albany and was very proud of it. His father had been a a barber, an immigrant from Italy who'd come here and become a barber in Albany. Danny and Morton had a great career, and, and Morton really made Danny's career with this very original piece. However, subsequent to Danny retiring from actively dancing in the early 1960s, the piece, while occasionally exhumed uh, and danced by other tap dancers, has never been danced to the original Danny Daniels choreography. Now, as you probably know, if you follow the Albany Symphony and our broadcasts, um, I'm a very close friend of Kevin Cole, brilliant Gershwin pianist who actually will be appearing with us in March this year playing the Concerto in F, uh, really the best Gershwin pianist in the world. And Kevin had come upon a brilliant young tap dancer in his hometown of Bay City, Michigan, uh, named Ryan Vandenboom. And Kevin asked Ryan whether he could put him together with Danny Daniels and have Danny teach Ryan the original choreography, which really hasn't been danced since about 1960. And in fact, that's what Kevin did. He put Danny together with uh, Ryan and Ryan together with Danny. And Ryan learned the original choreography in great detail. And so these performances were actually that we gave just now were the first performances of the original choreography uh, really ever since Danny Daniels stopped dancing the piece. And I must say it was a very exciting and beautiful, moving experience. Kevin Cole came and two of the Gould children came uh, with their spouses and it was really a a wonderful celebration of, of Morton and of Danny Daniels' achievement. And Ryan danced the piece just beautifully. It's actually a very balletic choreography. It's not just tapping. It's a lot of tapping, but also a lot of theater and a lot of comedy and uh, great fun, just a sensational piece. So here now, in the first performance with the original choreography in over 40 years, Morton Gould's Tap Dance Concerto. The tap dancer is Ryan Vandenboom, a 19-year-old native of Bay City, Michigan, who's at this moment studying in the musical theater program at NYU, and the orchestra is the Albany Symphony. The movements are one, toccata, two, pantomime, three, minuet, four, rondo. You may hear some chuckling, particularly in the second movement, when Ryan does all sorts of things like lies down on the floor and gets suddenly jolted by the music and has trouble reading the music that's been handed to him. So there's some comedy involved that you can't see, but hopefully you'll be able to hear a little bit of it. 
Once again, Morton Gould's Tap Dance Concerto with Ryan Vandenboom. This is the Conductor's Notes Podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was Morton Gould's Tap Dance Concerto from 1952, featuring tap dancer Ryan Vandenboom, along with the Albany Symphony conducted by me, David Allen Miller. The final work on our program, I thought just to send everybody home with uh, the sound of one of the best-loved of all piano pieces, is none other than Rachmaninoff's Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini. This is the last major piano work that Rachmaninoff wrote toward the end of his life, and it shows incredible mastery of orchestration, also incredible wit. Rachmaninoff decided to create this set of variations on a famous caprice by the violinist Paganini, the 24th caprice, and so Rachmaninoff wrote... 24 variations on the 24th caprice. It's a very famous piece. It's the one that goes and so on and so forth. Rachmaninoff felt a great affinity toward Paganini. Paganini, as you perhaps know, was actually reputed to have been in league with the devil, and that was the only thing that allowed him to play with such brilliance. It was also postulated that he had used the sinew from his strangled wife as the core of the G-string on his violin. This, in fact, was not at all true. But he was a very macabre figure and much, uh, quite a fascinating one in 19th century lore. And Rachmaninoff, in a strange way, in the 20th century, even though he was a pianist and not a violinist like Paganini, was kind of viewed with the same awe and inspiration because he, as a pianist, was every bit as staggeringly brilliant on the piano as Paganini had been on the violin. He was also, like Paganini, a very tall, gaunt, foreboding-looking figure. So he wrote this homage to Paganini, which I've always felt is, in essence, a Paganini portrait. In fact, a few years after the premiere, Rachmaninoff approached the very famous choreographer, Fokin, and proposed a ballet using the music of the Rhapsody on a theme of Paganini to create a ballet about the life of Paganini. And Rachmaninoff went so far as to describe what each variation described. Uh, In essence, the beginning is Paganini's virtuosity. The middle section is all about Paganini's love for a woman, and the beautiful 18th variation is part of that. And then the end is Paganini making his pact with the devil, and included in that music is the very famous Dies Irae, the the chant for the dead uh, from the Catholic Mass. So it's a a rather... uh, image-laden piece, and a brilliant one at that. Our original pianist, Xi Jing Yi, unfortunately had to return to China for medical reasons, and so she was replaced by an equally dazzling pianist, a student at the Juilliard School named Sun Ah Park. Ms. Park is a student of Veda Kaplinsky and stepped in at the last minute, I thought did a wonderful job. So here now to close our Rising Stars concert, Rachmaninoff's Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini, featuring pianist Sun Ah Park. The orchestra, of course, is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes Podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The Conductor's Notes Podcast, featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert Broadcast, is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music.